Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. So it's been a good morning. It has been a good morning. So okay, so let's get this out of the way. And then we don't t- <laughs> we're not gonna talk about this anymore. No, so we don't as, talk let's not talk about it at all. Let's just move no, on. As as it's, it's <laughs> I think we should we should at least acknowledge it. So as okay. of as we record this, it is Thursday, the uh, January seventh. We're still all a little bit recovering from the fact that uh, yesterday armed rioters broke into the Capitol building, uh, and we're sort of like dealing with that. If we come out sounding, we're not going to talk about it anymore after this because smarter people than us have talked about that, and it would just devolve into like depression and whatever. Uh, so we're not going to bring it up anymore. But if we sound a little off. That's that's what's going on in the back of our minds right now. And uh, we hope you're all staying safe and healthy and and happy out there in the world. You said it all. It's perfect. All right, let's move on. All right. Um, so let's talk about let's let's, let's give the people what they're here for, which is an escape from this um, blasted hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about Elixir. <laughs> 2021 is going to be a good year. It's already as bad as before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, there was recently a new version of Elixir released. Just a few bug fixes. It's pretty nice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, a yeah. patch, patch release? Yeah, a patch release. Nice. I was nice. just tr- I'm trying Noise. to come up with the, the good things that have happened so far this year. So mm-hmm. we've got that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a 3D printer. Holy crap. Uh, we should talk about that. Because okay. I've never had one, and I I look at them like ev- probably two to three times a year. I look mm-hmm. at at them, mm-hmm. and then I get so overwhelmed mm-hmm. by which one of these dang things should I buy? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And there's a huge amount of price variance as well, mm-hmm. uh, which you're probably not. Well, I mean, you could certainly do the research on into it, right? But as an as, as a neophyte, <laughs> it's hard to. Uh, determine where you want to spend your spend your coin mm-hmm. and you can go you can get really i mean okay let's caveat again with you know you're talking in in you can get a 3d printer in the hundreds of dollars that's kind of the the you know that's the target amount of money that you're talking about right and you can mm-hmm. get that in the low hundreds of dollars or the medium hundreds of dollars or up to th- the the thousands of dollars and it's really hard to know like what it is you even care about uh, as a as a novice, I feel like. Yes. So yeah, so I vacillated about it for a long time, and it was always sort of. I, I mean, I've done, I've played around with it with three D printing before. We had a three D printer back in college, but it was one. It's like before you know. This is in the era where the Arduino was still like a new fancy, like toy project for people. You know, it's like that's kind of the era you're talking about. And so I think this three D printer was like. I mean, I'm not, I think it might have been like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. It was like some, the university's printer. Yeah. It was the university's 3d printer. And it was the, it, you know, it does it all out of the, um, I'm forgetting what the, the technique is. It's the one where you put like the effectively, you know, printer toner into it and it fires a laser into it and hardens it. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember what that's called. It's not resin as it's not resin, like liquid resin. Yeah, it's like it, a powder. Uh, it's like a powder. It's basically toner. It's basically printer toner yeah. that you then like, you know, harden. So in any case, 
Yeah, no, but it's been super fun. I got a Anycubic i3 Mega, and I've been, you know, toying with just getting it dialed in and leveled and playing so with Have you printed anything? Oh, yeah, I've printed all kinds of stuff. Do you have uh, anything on your desk you can just lift up? I don't. I literally don't have anything. No, no, I have my dice I, jail. So I, I made describe, a jail. I made I can, a jail to put dice in that are misbehaving. All right, I'm going to describe it to the people. If you can hold it up, can you hold it? It's up? not. It's not in here currently. It's Never it's mind. out. I'm, I'm I'm I sprayed filler primer on it so I can paint it. Oh, cool, cool. So yeah, so, should, but it's been fun. I should just go use the one at the library. Is what I really should do. I yeah. <laughs> well, I as will soon say, as the library is open again, I can't go inside. They'll, yeah, they'll yeah. bring me books to my car, but I can't go inside. Yeah, that's basically our situation as well. I think our library has two um, printers, like two 3D printers. Or used to. I don't know what they have anymore. But I would say, like, it is simultaneously more difficult than you would. If, if what you want to do is sit down and print stuff, it is more involved than that. You're going to need to learn more stuff than that. Simultaneously, it is not nearly as complicated as it seems to be when you first look at it. You can pretty much sit down, fiddle with the thing, get it leveled, and start printing stuff. And yeah, like some of your prints will fail and you need to like tune it and get it dialed in. But it is kind of like, it is a little, for, for certain operations, it is a little bit like click some buttons and, and away it goes. It sounds like being a barista. There's a like, ton, yeah. You, yeah, <laughs> you can yeah. spend your time I, dialing yeah. in the machine or you can just click a button and you can get something that's okay. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm like whatever the Tim Hortons of 3D printing is. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm the Dunkin' Donuts of 3D printing right now. Like I, I'm, I, like I'm a, I'm. It's serviceable at best. <laughs> they have a good coffee. Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts? Dunkin' Donuts or both? I don't know. I've Do never, they I've never had. Do they Tim though, Hortons. Amos? Well, it's 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 decent. They had some okay. of the be- best coffee before I was really a coffee snob. I am today, but I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I grew up on Dunkin', as they say. <laughs> So you are, you are in the South. Yeah. My Florida specifically circle K actually circle K was our, we did a lot of circle K and waffle house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember standing on the street in Augusta, Georgia, and you could look down the road and you could count eight waffle houses. Yeah. Where else are you going to get breakfast? That's right. (laughs) And they would be full. They would all be full there. It was great. Well, yeah. Two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> this is a it's a queuing theory problem. That's true. That's true. Are we going to turn this into Little's Law now? <laughs> I mean, that's it's queues all the way down. Let's be clear. It, it's always queues all the way down. But no, 3D printing is super rad. I've made a dice jail. I made some toys for the kids. I made one of those. I made like a flexible dinosaur for the kids. I started printing um, mask straps for all of us. So there's a, basically like... You, if you have a mask, when you're going out, you hook it onto these loops. It sits on the back of your head, and you hook the mask straps into the into this plastic thing that you print. Sort of, con, you know, bends. It's thin enough that it'll sort of bend and conform to your head, and then it's uh, it takes all the strain off your ears and holds your mask tighter and such. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's been actually super convenient. That's always what bothers me is after I if like if I have to go someplace and I have my mask on for like an hour, my ears start to hurt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is this takes all the strain off your ears and it holds your mask tighter to your face. It's good stuff. Nice. It is good. It's good stuff. 
good stuff. So anyway, 3D printing is super rad. Do highly recommend it. I had to buy a pair of calipers, which I did not own. And I really had to talk myself down off the ledge of buying the really nice calipers. <laughs> Like I, I was, they were in the, they were in the, the, the basket, but honey, this one measures in picometers. No, I mean, really like <laughs> really the, well, and it was like, I was, I had justified it to myself about five different ways of like, well, these are the, these are exactly like what I used in college. Like, you know, <laughs> and like, I know how to use these already. And I was like looking at the price tag and looking at them and I'm like, this is the only calipers I'll ever need to buy. Hun. <laughs> like. <laughs> They, you know, and yeah, they have the thumb wheel and the whole thing. Yeah, they were really nice. But I talked myself out of it. I talked myself out. I bought the $5 pair instead. I mean, and and that whole, like, I already know how to use them thing. They're calipers. They're really not that difficult. They're just calipers. Figure, right? Yeah, they're just digital calipers, man. <laughs> they're not that hard to figure out. And also, like, I don't need to measure anything that within any amount of precision, really. Right. Or unless so. you're going to 3D print a car. Yeah, or or I don't know. I don't even know. Like, I guess for electronics, maybe I would have done it. But like, yeah, nothing I do needs to be within that amount of tolerance. So I bought the cheap one instead. <laughs> and it'll be fine. But in any case, yeah, I, I'd highly suggest the 3D printer is super fun. That's been a really fun way to spend some time. I've always wanted a 3D printer and a laser cutter. Yeah, well, there are there. You know that there's now like dual what? dual roles. Like you can get one that'll do both. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to tell you to spend a bunch of money, right? It is, a, it is money for, for reals money. And like, who even knows if, you know, who even knows what the world's going to bring tomorrow? Well, right. I so, mean, our money might not be worth anything tomorrow anyway. Yeah. So we don't know. Spend we now. actually literally do not know that at this point. And it's on the table is, <laughs> is the scary, the really scary thing. <laughs> That Vanguard account you've been working on may or may not be there tomorrow. So in any case, uh, but I do recommend it. It's super fun. Um, it's a great little new hobby. I'm planning on printing out some stuff that I can like do some art projects and get the, break the airbrush out and start, you know, fiddling with that. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. I need to. It's been super fun. It's been super fun. Nice to have a distraction. I'm just going to start uh, sending. You need to put your th printer online so I can On just send files to it and it'll print in the middle of the night. Are you going to pay for shipping to get me to, to for for the prints? Yeah, sure. That's what you need to do. I mean, I'll just print you stuff if you want stuff. Yeah, what do you want? Yeah, but you need to. What do you want to print? <laughs> I don't know yet. Amos. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. There's all the times that I'm I'm at home like doing you just something. Want, you just want to print. I think so. <laughs> but I'm I'm, I I'm serious. You. Like at home, I'll be doing something, and I think you know this. They should have a tool that does this, and I can like picture a design in my head that's super simple. Um, for a yeah. long time, <laughs> I thought of this thing. Uh, so we have an SUV, and like cleaning the top of like an SUV, and we used to have like a 12 passenger van because we're a giant family. Cleaning the top of it, it's nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. Without like a ladder, and I was like, "Man, mm -hmm. it would be." No one has invented technology, right? Yeah, to to fix cleaning the top well, of, of a large car. It would be cool if I could like step up there, like if there was a step on the car. And mm -hmm. then I mm -hmm. thought about uh, the door, the little loop, the U shaped thing that the door actually latches into. Mm -hmm. Is that if you could have some kind of step thing that hooks on that, 
and then you could step up. And then the other day I saw one advertised and it seriously looks like it's just been 3D printed. Nice. It hooks over that. See, that could have been you. Could have been me. That could have been you. Could have been me. I would be living on the as sold on TV store front right there. You'd be on the as sold <laughs> on TV aisle in Bed Bath and Beyond. That's right. <laughs> Which is the whole store, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that would be super awesome. Uh, I'm sending you pictures of things that I have 3D printed. Ooh, cool. Do I need to? There you I'm go. Gonna have to add, I'm gonna have to. I'll describe them to people. I mean, it's a dinosaur. It's a thing that hooks masks. And oh yeah, a, and a dice gel. So yeah, it's, it's got the. Uh, it's orange. The thing that wraps around the back of the head, um, and holds the mask, and it's got different. Um, points to put the mask around for the different sizes of your head so you don't have to print individual ones for each person that are custom. Well, on each mask, right? It's yeah. a little bit different. It has different loops. They kind of look like um, it It looks like it's made out of a pillar uh, in ancient Greece. It's got a little scroll across the top. That's what they hook across. Oh, and then the dice jail. It's got a little lock on it. A little round Barred. It doesn't actually not not working. It's not a working lock. It's just a pretty lock. I'll make it the show art. How about that? Oh, that's good. So you don't have to do. You don't have to do this. Well, this is fun. This wait. This dinosaur looks like one of those snakes that I had when I was a kid. That yeah, you hold on yeah, to the tail. The, and yeah, exactly. Wiggles. Yeah, you, it a, wiggles. But it's a T Rex. Yeah, it's a dino, it's a dinosaur that flexes. Oh, nice. It's very popular. It's a very common thing that people have three D printed. Cool. I made one for. My middle child. All everything is in orange. So now I know that if I'm going to buy, well, that is the color. That's the color. Right. I know if I'm going to buy Chris something though, that it should be in orange because that's the color that he approves of. That was the color that was available to you. <laughs> Not your favorite. No, I mean I like orange. Fine. I got nothing against orange. It's just you know I didn't pick it. I didn't look at that and was like, oh, it's orange. Yes. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> Orange is it, it, orange and purple are my favorite colors. Orange and purple. Orange and purple. I would not have pegged you for a purple purple man. I like like a dark purple, like almost orange is purple. nice. Is orange is a good man? You want to th- you want to make a design pop, as they say. The client comes back to you and you're like, "I needs to pop." <laughs> toss, toss a little orange on. There. I bought an orange shirt one time. I have the wrong skin tone to put that thing on. I bought, yeah, you basically I, just become one orange blob. I bought it. I got home. I put it on, and I was like, uh, "Oh no, what have I done? Uh, I can't see myself." Uh, we need to get rid of this shirt, and so I I took it back. <laughs> oh man! All right, so we've we've got three D printers. Yeah, three D printers are super fun. You know, I mean, I'm not telling anybody anything that they probably don't already either suspect or know, but three D printers are very fun. Yeah, I can't imagine it being not fun unless you got like a bad three really D printer. Fun. It's like buying a I mean, buying a bad know, guitar yeah. as your first guitar will make you not want to play guitar, right? If you can't keep sure. it, in yeah. Tune. If the guitar is hard to play, yeah, that's a that's a surefire yeah. way to not play any more guitar, right? Absolutely. So I, I could see the same thing with the three D printer. So yeah. finding one that actually is useful, <laughs> mm-hmm. you have to have a certain tolerance level, right? Mm-hmm. So what what do you have going on, uh, like? Now, maybe not work, but programming world-wise. I don't have anything. Cool. 
<laughs> Sometimes that's really nice. No, I um no, I mean I got, I got I got some stuff. I don't know. I I'm really the energy levels I have for programming stuff. No, I yeah, actually no. I have something we can I have an interesting thing we can talk about. So start I did I I started working on this book. I bought the uh, domain. Oh, for the book the that you're should be yeah, the intro should be published soon. Nice. And a lot of people basically come back and just be like, "Please publish this now." What's the domain like? Uh, can I, can I, I know will, that yet? It's a uh, well, it's not uh, it's not live yet. Well, but but will it be by the time this is out? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just gonna it's just statefulelixir.com. Nice is the domain. That's where it'll all be. So, in any case, that's where stuff will be eventually. Maybe by the time this comes out, probably not. Just so you, just so people we'll know, see. I don't have any inside knowledge on stuff like this when it comes to Keith Lee. Sometimes I'm just as surprised as everybody else when it gets heard. I just get to hear it a week ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And it's just going to be the intro up there, and uh, and uh, you know, just try to see if it's interesting to people or not, and probably start moving forward with that uh, slowly but surely. I got to figure out how to do some sort of newsletter. I think is probably what I'm cool. going to do. Um, yeah. I'll probably link to my GitHub sponsors page just in case anybody does want to throw some money at the problem, but uh, but not ex- really expecting any. Very cool. Um, and otherwise, it'll just be sort of a free resource for people. Uh, can you can you do you have like your first topic in planned? Um, can you share? So uh, my okay, but yeah. So my main idea. This is here's the thing. I reserve uh, absolute authority to change anything I'm about to say. <laughs> Perfect. So don't get your hopes up. Uh, I think there's two super big parts of this. Um, one is a lot of the knowledge that's out there about the distributed parts of Erlang. Um, don't they give you like all the tooling, but then they're sort of like, eh, have fun. Um, and that's not like you need something that's more opinionated, I think. So um, this is going to be a surprise to everybody, but um, I'm super opinionated <laughs> about that. And so it's going to be filled with my opinions on like, here's how you build. So I literally broke Amos. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so um, it's going to be filled with like sort of my opinions about it and, and and very real world stuff. Like I want you to come away from reading this with like, okay, I know how to de- build and deploy this stuff. And then, and then the deploy part is also important so because deployments with stateful systems are totally different. You have to think about them totally different than you think about deployments with a non-state, with a stateless, so a so-called stateless. Is this system. the uh, "There Be Dragons" book? Yeah, I hope so. Um, so the goal, I believe, is going to be to demonstrate how to build a few real-world things. So we'll actually sort of go through a couple different projects. I, I'm still planning out the the roadmap as it is, as it were. Uh, a couple of different projects that you build basically from scratch that do distribute real world ish distributed stuff. And at some point it has to be slightly contrived because like you gotta, you know, you, you can't write the universe. Like you just have to write a, a book that people actually read. <laughs> so, uh, but hopefully it'll demonstrate. And, and the, the goal is to demonstrate a bunch of really important real world distributed systems properties. So like, how do you look up processes in the cluster? Like how do you, uh, how do you deal with data? You know, how do you, what, what does item potency look like? Uh, what is, how do you deal with ordering? You know, all this sort of stuff. How do you deal with failures? So that's really the, the big goals. So if anybody took your distributed systems, uh, trainings in the past, should do they, is that kind of like a preview for this? You think? 
Yeah, I would say that that would be like a a lot of that stuff will carry over partially just because I've like already written all that code. Mm -hmm. Some of it will get a lot of it will get more detailed. And we'll do the thing that we it's just really too hard to do in the training, which is actually talk about deployment and sort of say like, okay, now here's how you actually deploy the deploy the stuff. Uh, and then here's the things you have to think about. And then another part of it's testing. Like how do you spin up a cluster and then break it so that you can induce failures? Cool. I, that sort of thing. Uh, that sounds really awesome. Um, so deployment wise are like, when you're talking about deployment with it, um, what are what are the biggest issues that you you think you need to address that you see a lot of people not doing currently? Yeah. So the biggest issues with deployments are one <clears throat> part of its discovery. Like you need a way for the nodes to discover each other. Just with today's setups, right? It's also it's possible, obviously, to have like five dedicated boxes with IP addresses that you just slap in like a file somewhere or put in Etsy, you know, mm -hmm. hosts or whatever you want to do. And that's also reasonable. And I'll probably like try to address some of that as well. But I think for realistically, a lot of people who are deploying existing systems to their cloud infrastructure stuff, which is probably on running in somebody's Kubernetes somewhere, um, you know, you need a way to discover this stuff. So you can either use service discovery that's built in, like Kubernetes has a mechanism for finding other nodes, or you need to like construct something yourself. And, um, and the downside to using something like uh, Kubernetes service discovery is it doesn't help you at all with leasing or locking that. You know, it, it, it doesn't give you enough primitives that you need to be able to do other things as well. to like manage operationally, to like manage certain deployments. And then all that goes back to, to like, how much you care about your data. And so that's the other side of it. I think that's that's the other really big part is once you start putting data in your cluster, you necessarily have to figure out how much you care about that data. You know, how much do users care if you see the wrong stuff? Do they care a lot or a little? And if you put important stuff in there, then now your deployments get really hard because it, well, I say that, your deployments get really hard if you also, you know, want to achieve certain uptime guarantees. If you can afford just to like take the whole cluster down and like spin it back up again, then it's not that bad. All right, so I guess you're gonna have some like hot code deployments. Yeah, um, I'm still I'm so that's part of it is I want to talk through hot code hot code deployments uh, in the real world stuff, but I also realize that most people don't want to do that and um, really just want to see like how do I get my Docker containers to talk to each mm -hmm. other. And so that's going to be interesting too. So I want to talk through a lot of patterns on like, here's how to maintain state in your application and also sync it to a database. Like just make that the driving fact, like force behind the book um, and also deploy it. So those are the, those are the main things. Um, and because of that, like the book's going to assume, you know, Elixir really well. And to some degree that you're comfortable jumping back and forth between Elixir and Erlang. It's not going to be an easy beginner's book. Um, but there's plenty of resources out there that do that, that address those things. This is not going to be one of them. Cool. Like you need to read all that other stuff what first. And that's probably good anyway. Like you don't want to do this first anyway. That's true. Honestly. Yeah. It would be, it, it, like figuring out how to deploy a single instance of an app is the first step to even being able to deploy a clustered. Right. And, and dealing with the cap theorem and, and all that, the consistency stuff is, I, I assume you're going to be into that in this book too. Book, newsletter, whatever you want to call it. 
Yeah. So yeah, it'll be really, I think it'll be fun, um, at least for the first few chapters, and then it'll become a slog. But uh, I'm having fun so far, and I, it's made me do some other research into sort of different parts of Erlang and the beam and that sort of stuff. And that's been also pretty fun. I've been breaking amnesia. Or amnesia, as they say. Is that really that difficult? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no. Actually, here's the thing. It's super not. It was more difficult to get it to even kind of work. Right. Like that's that's what I've seen with it. Like in local development. Even in local you were It was harder. Issues? Dude, just getting three nodes running locally on my machine, I kept screwing it up. I found, you know, uh, a, a a a veritable cornucopia of ways to break amnesia locally <laughs> before I ever even got to like the distributed part. Wow. I mean, and it's all like quote unquote working as intended, mm -hmm. which is to say, you know, there's no bug report to file. It's like, you did it wrong. You just issued the wrong operational commands to it. But man, like, oof, oof, big oof. Yeah, I've I've run into a lot of issues with being able to get data consistency with Amnesia in a cluster, and yeah. being able like the the whole. I just blanked out. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Forget it. Okay. All right. I got. Yeah, it. I had, I, hang I had, on. Uh, I'm okay, gonna take the I had, wheel. I had data consistency issues in in Amnesia whenever I had um, not even bad flaky networks, like with one. Just yeah, networks. just a network in general. Uh, I couldn't imagine trying to run it on any network that had that was very flaky. Yeah, I mean, so the, my tests were basically like, okay, so we have a distributed Nisha. Let's see what happens if you have three nodes and you start to partition them. Just to say you let them live. You don't take the boxes down, but you cut off their ability to talk to each other. And so... I wrote a, I built a repo that does this and, uh, and, and all this started because I would like, people have been talking for whatever reason, like people have been talking about Nisha more and more recently. And, um, I was sort of fascinated. I was like, I should go in and play with it. And like, I've, I've it's been a long time since I looked at, since I looked at that Nisha. And so I should try to figure out like what's going on with it. So I was digging into it and like, just trying to get networking stuff working and whatever. And, uh, yeah, no, it's like if you partition some nodes and then you just issue rights to either of the nodes and you don't do any and you just leave the default settings the way they are, it'll just very, I mean, it obviously, right, this is well known, it just very happily overrides data. And then they refuse to start talking to each other again, or well, rather, like they're, they just alert you and say that they're partitioned. And then, you know, they're like, we, we have inconsistent state, fix it. And then, and then you're, it's up to you to fix it. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, they don't, I mean, there's no healing, right? Like you have to determine the healing part of it. And there are modes where you can tell Nisha to do things like, uh, use a majority. Mm -hmm. So when you build the tables, you say, here's all the, here's all the disc copies of this. Oh, here's all the nodes that have disc copies of this. And that, that's part, that's essentially what becomes the, the cluster right. at that point for that table. And so you can put it in majority mode, which is like, if I can write this to three other nodes, 
and I have five nodes in my cluster and three of them get it, then then we'll consider that good. And if you're on the wrong side of that partition, then you, you aren't allowed to write stuff. But like that comes with its own caveats, which is that, you know, it still will issue reads to you. And, and at which point you just, your reads are wrong, which is like, that's not that surprising. It's, it's like you expect, it needs just sort of like a cache, right? More than a mm-hmm. database. Like it's, you know, it's mostly all just in memory and it occasionally backs it up to disk through some journaling and stuff like that. Uh, well, uh, depending on the mode that you're using to write to disk, if you're using disk copies, it, it writes it as like a journal file and all this, this sort of stuff. So do you think, think there's but, a, uh, yeah. depending on what the data is you're putting in the, do you think that there is a, a good way to tell it how to heal that would work for many sure. circumstances? Well, the way you would, I think the way you would do it, well, there's two ways. There's two ways to do it. Oh, and by the way, healing it is not, is non-trivial oh, yeah. also. <laughs> like healing it's super non-trivial because if you don't have ordering set up, right? Go, this goes back to what we talked about last week. If you don't have some sort of clock, give up on ordering, right? And now you're just picking, you just pick one at random. There's no such thing as last right wins if you don't have ordering when you, when you right. heal. Right, you know what I mean. Like it, it there's no time. If there's no timestamp, then who's the last? Well, and- like you don't even know. So you just pick one at random, and you hope it's the right one. Or you go to you try to do something fully. You know, you, you try to build some sort of CRDT thing, but even that's like, you, you're going to have to have some sort of clock for ordering. Prefer most of CRDTs that don't need to be garbage collected. Well, it- like like brand new cutting edge stuff, you know like CRDTs work well, but old like CRDTs as they exist today, like you have to garbage collect them. It takes a ton of time and like they're non-trivial. So on there. So that's one side of it. Like you can go full AP and attempt to rebuild your Nisha tables by just overlaying and picking the one that you believe to, you know, is the most recent or you store a list of like operations that you're then going to need to like issue to each other. And like somehow reconcile that state that way. Yeah, it's like that's that's one way to do it. Or I think the the flip of it, and I think this is what the rabbit people are working on, as far as I understand, is you don't allow yourself to get into bad state. Right. Which is that you actually build real consensus over the top of it. So like once you if you're you know, you only allow that to write to tables based on a consensus algorithm. So when you're when you're I'm gonna go back a little bit in what you were saying. Uh sure. We we're talking about ordering last week and ordering in amnesia. So I know that they have an ordered set in amnesia. But do you know how mm-hmm. they order that across the cluster? Oh, I mean the ordering is just done in an ordered set just done in the ordered set table is just done by a key. Like and you pick the key. Oh, okay. So you have to tell it what to order by. So yeah. you you could put yeah, like yeah, yeah. a uh, HLC or vector clock or something in there. If you wanted to use it to store operations, yeah, like or events. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that that would be that would be a thing you could do, and then to rebuild. But to rebuild the world, it gets tricky because you need to ensure that everyone has seen all the mm-hmm. same stuff. You need some way to ensure that. Which, so, okay. so, so here's so a, here's a scenario. Here's okay. a scenario. You have two nodes. They should be talking to each other, but for whatever reason they're not. Maybe you're doing a deployment or you just haven't connected yet mm-hmm. or whatever. There's a problem. Change the cookies. You know, who knows what, right? 
most of the time I, I find in production, like real world, net splits are really just synonymous with deployment. Right. So, uh, cause you're like, I think the thing's alive, but it hasn't like connected yet or it's, you know, rolling or mm-hmm. whatever. So in any case, so it's, so they're not talking to each other just yet, but you issue two different rights and you store those as a list of operations. This is the whole idea. This is like, like you know, uh, event sourcing without without the baggage <laughs> is, you know, you start issuing these these operations. And then as long as they're all, you know, commutative, you'll arrive at the same stuff. Right. The implicit statement in there is that if they eventually see all the operations. Right. So, you, so when they heal, you have to get them to share yeah. events. Yeah. All of it. Oh, Everything. even so how do you know how do you know if you've seen all the operations, Amos? If you've gotten all the operations. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, how do you I know? know. You, but how you, do you know? You, neither side knows. Right. If, right. If, if, right. So you need a you now you need a new thing. Now you need a new thing on top of that. And it and it and it rhymes with schmirkles trees. <laughs> Schmirk, schmirkle trees. <laughs> Typically. <laughs> um But like, but really though, that's, you use a data structure like that, right? That can start to tell you like, assuming that there is a place to have that thing. And you also send that thing all the way around that you start to say like, that is, you know, we're missing bits. We're missing chunks. We're missing parts of it because the tree says we should have these other things. I mean, it feels like you. The (laughs) the smirkle tree. (laughs) Yeah. So it feels like you could, you could get, if you design your data with a lot of these things in mind, then amnesia could work for you. I mean, yeah, yeah. It it still has that whole like it's not dur it's durable ish, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. problem. My my opinion is like you should view Reddit you should view Amnesia the same way you view a single node Redis. Like it's gonna give you basically nothing in terms of clustering, nothing real that you want to actually use in right. production. And you're going to have to figure out how to make that work. But and and it has basically the same kind of like journaling semantics, right? Of like, it's going to flush this stuff to disk periodically and probably it's going to save it all. And if not, like it needs to not wreck your day. Right. Ex- yeah. It. Except for when it doesn't. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And, that, and we just deal with that. Ideally, it saves it for the most part. It's going to save it. And then when it's not there, you just fall back to the real data store. Like if you treat it like Redis. You know, you're in pretty good shape. I, w- I want to caveat that with if you treat it like you should treat Redis, because I've also seen Redis treated sure. as like <laughs> it primary database number. Yeah, numero, numero. or we know it's never going down or it's never going to lose right. data. And and then when it does, right. people crap their pants. Um, Not my, my Redis. <laughs> my Redis never goes down. My Redis never goes down. My Redis is here to last. <laughs> Uh, I that doesn't that just go against what Redis says it is anyway. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's programmers know the benefits of everything and the trade offs of nothing. Keep hearing that over and over. Yeah, I keep feeling it <laughs> over and over. So, yeah, I, I think I don't know. Nisha could be really interesting in terms of like a cap solution. It's it's neither. It's neither C nor A. Like it it doesn't pick either of them, really. I would, in my estimation. Does it try to leave it up to you? 
more or is it, it like well it leaves tra- everything up to you but it's also just a, a product of its time you know what i mean it's like invented when you were literally running a machine that had a where the network was a physical backplane oh yeah you know i mean it's like it's just the 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 constraints were different and so if the network was down the backplane didn't work and like you had a bigger a much bigger problem at that point which basically meant nothing mm-hmm. worked right like the whole system was down if the network was down. Right. That's the. Because the physical backplane would have broken at that point. So, you know, it's it's a product of its time. And I think people are in, I think people come into Erlang and it, it, it is unfortunate because it's one of those things that I think it is a huge differentiator. Like how many languages, how many runtimes, right, have a built in high performance database? Not many. And can support that, you know what I mean? Like how many, how many, like, it, it, and it, it does what it, it, sorry way to say this. Nisha does do what you mostly expect it to do mm-hmm. in certain circumstances. And so it's really cool to see that, to, to have that capability. The problem is, is I, it's, I don't want this to come out sounding like Nisha's broken. I don't think that that's accurate. I think people's expectations for what you for what a for what the words database mean have changed a lot mm-hmm. you know database like people hear the word database and it is synonymous with postgres or mysql where everything is in one place and if it's down it's down if it's up it's up like and, and if and it's and like for the most part it's consistent right, right? and it has it's you know, slow for certain operations, but, but, you know, it's fast for others. And, and it's pretty much like going to reliably store your data barring some sort of just gross oversight, right. Or just some sort of absolutely catastrophic problem. Those databases are just going to store your data and you are not going to have to think about it. Like you never question whether or not MySQL or Postgres is actually stored a thing when you issue a write transaction to right. it. If you get a success back, you know it's there. And if you get a read back, you know it was the right value at the time that you mm-hmm. issued the read. Like there are there are caveats to that. You don't know things that are going to happen in the future and transactions are trying to run concurrently and it depends on your transaction level and all that sort of junk. But for the most part, you rely on your database. And again, databases are very much, people, people have this association with the word database to mean MySQL, Postgres, you know, SQL Server, whatever it is. And that's, and and you just, you come to rely on a certain amount of comfort in knowing that barring something absolutely catastrophic happening, this thing's storing my data. When it says it's stored it, it's right. stored even, it. Even those databases or any relational databases that provide a distributed implementation have all these mm-hmm. caveats when you when you read in there about what happens when you distribute. Right. And even if you just turn on readers, your readers, when you read from a reader, it might not be mm-hmm. the most up-to-date. You got to be thinking about that. And you can have weird issues in file systems. Like there's, there's still that thing where Postgres can attempt to write to the file system and it can fail. And then it will crash the Postgres because Postgres at that point goes, yo, something bad mm-hmm. has happened and we the safest thing for us to do is to terminate at this point yeah um, because like file systems are all fundamentally broken and 
you know, SSDs are all fundamentally broken, you know, all these problems or whatever. Right. So like, yeah, I, I get it. Like I'm not here to, to say that Postgres will never lose your data. It's more just that, you know, the, the likelihood of Postgres losing your data is, is markedly less than Redis losing your data, mm-hmm. for instance. And that's markedly less than Nisha losing your data, for instance. Well, any any time that you have to have cooperation between more than one system, the more the more of those links that you have, the I guess less likelihood you have of getting what you want out of it without right. extra. There's a lot of extra overhead and work that needs to go in to make it right. sustainable, and then your your trade offs are bigger, and you're gonna have to learn. A lot more. I mean, you're you're managing you're you're now literally managing a database inside of your application code, which is super interesting, right? Like that's fascinating. And again, I think it's a huge differentiator as part of the runtime. I just think people's expectations for what the word database means are so different than what Nisha's giving you out of the mm-hmm. box, especially with its default choices that it's going to be really surprising to people. And that's where people get the feeling that Nisha's broken or wrong. I don't know that Nisha's wrong to be the way that it is. I do think that people need to be aware of what it is and to be responsible about that choice mm-hmm. and and accept it for what it is of, of like, yeah, man, if you want a really fast in-memory cache is backed more or less by a database and you just know that you can be wrong and your recovery strategy is like, I don't know, I've got an HLC or some other logical clock and I just pick the one that's like most recent and we just deal with that. Yeah. I think he's just like, fine. What if we just sort everything in Amnesia as a blockchain and then we only only go back, Mm -hmm. we we throw away the, the newest 10 until we have a consistency. Okay. My, my, my internet voice is not as good as yours. That's good. No, that was that was strong. That was that was a that was strong. Uh, I mean, I hated you the moment you started talking, and so it's like I feel like your mission accomplished. My, yeah, I, I nailed it. My son yesterday. Uh, I, I got to tell this story now because voices. So my son yesterday, we were out, and he started like, I don't know. I guess the best way I can describe this is talking hick <laughs> and uh so then i just started talking like mickey mouse every time he would talk like that we're out in public and i'm like so josh how's your day today <laughs> and he's like it, his oh eyes boy. <laughs> and he's like dad how about i stop and you stop <laughs> i was like oh you're growing up you've decided to compromise <laughs> you're growing up so fast uh, oh boy! <laughs> it it was pretty funny. The rest of the kids found it quite entertaining. <laughs> you think your mom wants to have smoked salmon for dinner? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> oh look, there's a deal on eggs. Okay, <laughs> one dozen for two dollars. That's he, that was pretty much our our dinner yesterday. So, honey, how was your day today? Uh-huh. Now I'm going to go home and do that today. <laughs> did you like some smoked salmon? Did you see that? Did you, did you see that six people still just contested the election <laughs> results? What are these people thinking? Okay. What are you doing? 
I I think that's a good place to end it. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Uh, seriously though, I do, I do have a, another meeting coming up and we have a, a new person that started today. Yeah. Awesome. Chad. Welcome Chad. Um, so I, I have got to go get some stuff done. <laughs> yeah. I'm so broken. Oh, oh my soul. You, oh no, my you've soul made my day. I'm totally in. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, we can't release this episode so bad. We can't release this. Oh, okay. We're All releasing. right. Let's get out of here. Right. Button it up. Well, I, I guess I mean we can't we can't go any lower or any higher than where we just were. So I guess we can just take it on out. Yeah, they look at the everybody looks at us and they're like, you know what? <laughs> you know what we know about those guys? Those guys are high, <laughs> high on life, baby. <laughs> All, right. All right, get us right. out of here, well, Amos, Chris. Thanks for coming today. Uh, it yep. was nice to see Anna today. Absolutely. Uh, even though I don't think she made it into the recording, she had she had a meeting nope, come up. Nope. She, she she stopped by. She has meetings. Yep. She she's been super be busy. She soon. misses everybody. Not Chris and I. She's vehemently against us. Everyone else though. Everybody else she misses. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, take it easy, Chris. Have a great day. Later. Bye. Yep. <laughs>